This is Dan Jurgens. You are listening to and enjoying the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today from the Leo deck on the love boat, we have Ross. Hello. That was a question. (laughs) (laughs) We also have a good old boy from the Dukes of Hazzard, Curtis. (laughs) I got nothing. Hi. That's two syllables. How do they say it? Hola? No. Dick boys is more like a yeehaw. Yeehaw! Yeah. All right. (laughs) You always know it's Three's Company with Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jack Trippy. Always paid him for the nosy neighbor. Larry! (laughs) Mr. Roper? I I know way too much about that. Also coming from the Phoenix Foundation, he makes things out of duct tape. We have Dave. Hey, kids, rock and roll. (laughs) <laughs> Dave Tape. <laughs> if you can find him and pay him, you could hire CBS from the A-Team. I love it when the plan comes together. I ain't getting on no plane. I ain't getting on no plane. I don't want no chocolate milk, Hannibal. Regular milk. And then always asking the question, who's in charge with Charles in charge, is Rob. <laughs> Hi. I think the theme needs to be changed for the show. Be like Rob in charge. He's always asking the question. Though. Oh, right, right. Who's in charge? Who's, who's in charge? Who's the one that busts in the door all the time? Oh. You're taking care of these kids? You know you're catching them in the door. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you lock that stuff? Oh, my God. Wait, man. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. What? Oh, man. Killing me. Killing me. Uh, All right. Uh, that was the longest intro in the world. It's pretty, yeah. It's pretty lengthy. <laughs> it's <true>. it's <laughs> worth it. Worth every cent. <laughs> God. Uh, so today we're doing episode number fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. Oh yeah. Uh, book-wise, we're going to be going over. The DC previews this week, um, they put out about a bunch of 8 or 11 page previews, depending on what book it was. Uh, we have Cyborg, number one. Robin, Son of Batman, number one. Um, Green Lantern, Lost Army, number one. Aquaman, number 41. And The Flash, 41. Followed by an interview with uh, Flash writer... Van Jensen. Van Jensen. From the uh, Denver Comic Con, this last weekend, over in... The lovely city of Denver. It'd be weird if it was somewhere else. Well, there's Denver other places, which is weird. Mm. And there's a cartoon, Denver the Last Dinosaur. Also, I think, based in Denver. Denver the Last Dinosaur? Yes. He's your friend and a whole lot more. Isn't there a show called Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead? That's a movie. Doesn't Jay Palmiotti have a book called Denver? Uh, yes. Mm. <laughs> is there a singer named John Denver? <laughs> there was. <clears throat> not right. Rocky Mountain High, not anymore. Denver the Dinosaur? Yes. Did you say that? Denver, last time. Oh, I was thinking or... Dingo from the Rockies. Oh, no, no. Dinger? Dinger, not Dingo. I, okay. Wow. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's enough. I digress. Uh, all right. Well, uh, before we move into books, let's see about a little bit of news from Ross and the dog file. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>
raining sideways. <laughs> Thanks, Ross. Thanks. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, uh, with that, um, let's just go and move into books, I guess, because, well, that's how things roll around here. Oh, my God. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. All right, so we're going to start off with uh, Cyborg, the sneak peek of our issue one, um, of which I know Ross is pretty happy with, because, uh, well, he was happy with it. Yep. Uh, we've got David Walker writing it, uh, pencils being done by uh, Ivan Reyes, uh, and Joe Pardardo? Pardardo? Prado. Prado. Thank you, sir. Um, so book-wise, the art's actually really good. You know who David Walker was writing? Shaft. Was he? Yeah. Oh, I love Shaft. I the know. bad mother. Shut your mouth. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Just talking about Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like teamwork there. Almost. We just got somebody say, that's cool. That's cool. Hey, you're right. Dig it. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah I can. <laughs> All right. So, man. <laughs> Cyborg opens up with the Justly under attack. And we're not, we don't really see what it is attacking them at first. We do kind of get a clip of them. Do you guys remember the movie Critters? Yeah. Mm-hmm. These look like Critters sure. to me. They're taller than Critters. I can see that. Yeah? They, they, so they're no Critters. critters. <laughs> no, crit, crit, they were little round things with a big mouth. Yeah. So taller Critters aren't Titters? No. no <laughs> I don't think. I think that's something different. Can we make it that? I, you no, know, I don't. <laughs> can you say Titters? I, no. Can you call them Titters? No. How about Tig Bitters? Tig Bitters. I think that's the same. I'm going to stop. I think that's about the same. It's about the same. Okay. Anyway, um, they're also with a batch of cyborg-looking type dudes. And they're super pissed at cyborg for stealing stuff. Will you stop over there? Man. Like, seriously. Anyway. Anyway, during the whole entire uh, attack, for the most part... They're, the characters are, they're there because they're after Cyborg, and they're super pissed at him for stealing something. Of course, he has no idea what they're talking about. So as Batman, Shazam, Wonder Woman, and Cyborg lay waste to these dudes and robots, Cyborg wants to smash one of the faces open, and he sees that there's a kid inside. And the kid's super pissed at Cyborg for stealing stuff, and so that causes him pause as the other group of them basically take out Shazam. Then we get a really cool line that uh, Cyborg's become known for. Ross, what's that line? It's booyah. He does say booyah. And then we move forward a little bit, and uh, Cyborg gets one arm cut off, another arm cut off. Needless to say, he dies. It's not a spoiler, because it's in the first eight pages, kids. Uh, close of it, we wind up seeing him regrow pieces and come back to life. Dun, dun, Question mark? Drastically change to you. Drastically he change. Can, he can grow pieces? Not normally. Uh, this is all new data, and we don't exactly know how it happened. This is new data? Well, mm-hmm. it's also a shock to him, because yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we've never seen Cyborg display that kind of ability before. No. We do know that, you know, whatever the primary parts of Cyborg are came from that red room. And we have no idea what they were working on before that point. Right. Mm. And we even know in that particular case, Cyborg was caught in one of the boom tubes opening. And that's what lost half his body. Now, we've theorized, or at least I've theorized, that he's got a mother box inside of him. I think they've said that he was built with a 
technology from Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. But even they don't probably know that. <laughs> yeah. Because it was a pretty like question mark what any of that stuff was because it was mm. there before the Apocalypse invasion. Yep. So. It's hard to say what exactly is in him or what they're talking about. It's stolen technology or technology that he inherited simply because of the accident. Yeah. So it's hard to say what any of that stuff is. What I kind of wonder is whether or not whatever they took from him had been keeping the mother box from fixing him. Oh, that's a good question. Because the mother box is able to actually regenerate a lot of the new gods. Hmm. So I wonder if that was something that's going on, and that's why we're seeing this big regeneration. Let's see that. That's crazy. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Um, overall, I mean, it's pretty exciting for being a short preview. I'm more interested in it than I was before. I mean, initially, I cyber a couple miniseries. I didn't mind the last one. It was okay. But it was also way before New 52, which we're talking like five years ago. And it wasn't bad. It was four-part. This being ongoing seems fairly interesting. And art's pretty fantastic, at least in the first issue. Um, if I was going to score it, because that's what we do, sort of, uh, I'd give it a three. And then I'm going to come to Ross. We're going to have to half that, since it's only half a book. Only half a book? Okay, so then one and a half? That's sad. <laughs> oh, man. No, no, that's sorry. sad. So we got to start higher? Three. Mm. Three's good. Three's Okay. Yeah. I was told it was okay to be three. <laughs> when do you ever listen to me? Ross. Really quick, the same artists that did this were the ones that started on Aquaman in the New 52 and did Blackest Night. And they worked on Justice League until very recently. So what you're trying to say is they have a really good track record for being awesome. Yeah, and this book feels like it comes straight out of Justice League. Especially with the start with Shazam and Batman and Wonder Woman with him. I'll give you the cast, that's for sure. Yeah, and I really liked... Well, I really liked that he said Booyah, because I don't think we've heard him say that yet. And that's kind of like his line from the show. And it's so Which cool. show? Teen Titans. Oh! Yep. Yay! Um, and I like that they had him and Shazam paired up at the start. Because they've been trying to push that lately, and it just works really well. I'm going to give it a five. I'm super, super excited for this book. That's two supers. Yep. I've doubled the super. Yep. It's like a cape on top of a cape. Whoa. Yeah. This is Curtis. It's just like a towel. Um, <laughs> I'm not super, super excited for it. I think it's going to be good, though. Right. So I'll give it a three. Very nice. Rob, I want to I want to follow it up with a three. I think it's going to be a, a really good book. So hopefully this will be a really good take for him. Right, Mr. Mike. Looks pretty pretty interesting. Um, I'll give it a three. I think uh, should turn out pretty cool, especially with the art team on it. Right, right. Uh, Mr. Dave. Hey kids, rock and roll. <laughs> rock and roll, rock on. What day does Dave? Dave doesn't have. Uh, I didn't actually read it. Sorry. You did see the things that look like the critters? Is that what they're called? The titters. No. I'm critter. gonna amend my score to a three and a half if you Clear. say titters. No, no, I'm not gonna do that. All right, two and a half. Titters are fabulous. So they were no. kids trapped inside no, no, titters. I can't see where you're going. I give it. I give it high ups for the critters. Uh, the kids were in the uh, three and a half. Very, very good. Oh. Very good. That's what I like. What do I like? Look like storm soldiers. All right, uh, so let's move on to Ross. Oh, <laughs> so, savior of the universe, right? Robin, son of Batman, is being written and drawn by Pat Gleason. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, it is. Um, it's coming straight out of Batman and Robin. So if you've been reading the current Batman and Robin run, you'll kind of have a good feel for what this book will be like. Uh, the preview opens up with Robin going into a monastery, I want to say, 
and bringing a monk a scroll that was missing. I don't know if he took it or they don't really explain where it came from. And in the process, he gets attacked by other monks and eventually more man-bat creatures. Which, they don't really give you a lot of explanation where anything comes from, but he gets attacked by the monks, and then the man-bat creatures start going after him, and they kind of trap him on a cliff. And he pulls out this whistle that looks like a skull with bat wings. And when he plays it, it makes a bat sound instead of a whistle sound. And this giant, you see a, a bat shadow over the moon, and it kind of looks like the bat single. And this giant red man bat comes down, and it's huge. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, and attacks the other man bats with him. And he eventually gets on top of it and rides it away. Um, the preview was like a hundred percent action. There wasn't anything else really going on in there at all. But it was really awesome. And as excited for Cyborg as I am, I'm, like, twice as excited for this. Absolutely. Yeah. So I I would definitely give this one a five as well. I would give it higher if I could. Super, like super excited for it. Well, that's good. We're happy about that because, I mean, it's Pat, and he's a friend of the show, even though he can't seem to get his timing right with anything. Good guy, though. Mr. Uh, Curtis? <clears throat> Did you score it? Yeah, I gave it above a five. Were there any titters in it? No. I'll give it a five. <laughs> I don't... No, I... They're critters, but they're not the same kind of critters. Pat Gleason and giant bull bat-looking thing. Awesome. It is wild-looking, that's yeah. true. So, yeah, I'll give it a five. I'm really right. excited for that. Rob? Yeah, I've been looking forward to this one as well, so I give it a four. I actually really do... Look forward to seeing what it's going to be like. It's going to be neat to see Pat Gleason doing doing the writing. I don't know if he's if this is his debut or it is so, writing. Oh, it should be awesome, Mr. Mike. Well, it doesn't look like he's going to miss a beat with the feel of the old Batman and Robin book, and of course the look. But mm. uh, definitely a five. This one's going to be great. Hi, Mr. Dave. I concur. You can't go wrong with Man Bats. It's true. <laughs> and the, the art is fantastic. Action shots. Five it up. It's very good. And? Five cheeseburgers. You know, I... Nothing? No titters. I'll, I'll, follow with the, I'll follow with the five also. Again, super excited for it. Just the art in general. We all, we all know Pat's awesome as far as an artist is concerned. But yeah, just the small preview so far, great. And he's definitely pumped about it because we've seen him put a bunch of stuff up on Facebook and on uh, Twitter talking about the preview and post the preview as soon as it's available. So, yeah, I'm pretty pretty pumped for it. So it should be fan-freaking-tastic. And it seems so, like Goliath, the giant red man-bat thing, is going to be a, a permanent character for the most part. From what he said online, is that it's basically the team-up of Robin and Goliath. Which is awesome. And that thing's big enough, Titus can ride on it, too. Yeah, and that's what I want to know if Titus is going to show up eventually, Maybe too. Maybe he is the man-dog bat. Man, that'd be crazy. Maybe. I don't think so. Of course, I thought he was Bat-Cow at the start, so... Right. Yeah, you did mention Bat-Cow. Yeah. Which would have been awesome with wings. So, imagine getting hit by the crap from that thing. Yeah, that'd be bad news. Don't <laughs> break your car window. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good lord, man. Okay. Uh, well, with that... Uh, We'll move on to the Green Lantern Lost Army, number one. <coughs> Mr. Curtis. So, Green Lantern Lost Army, written by Colin Bunn, drawn by uh, Jesus Saiz, 
and drawn and colored by Jesus Size and lettered by Dave Sharp. So we end up where we have uh, John Stewart is stranded on this planet with uh, Kilowog 26, a new character, I believe, named Zril Vrek, who is an orange hued humanoid, and Ariza's there too. Ariza, is that her name? Yeah, Arisa? Arisa? I don't know. I don't know. That's how Down I see it. Blonde, the blonde girl. Anyway, it opens and uh, there's some exposition with John asking about what makes a great leader. And if you ask people, 10 out of 100 are going to say something different. And if you ask 10 out of 100 leaders, they're going to say something different. And uh, so he's lost. He asks his ring, where are we? The ring doesn't know exactly where they're at. So they're traveling through this... Uh, valley, wasteland, whatever you want to call it, and they come up upon these like crystalline entities, and they're floating crystalline entities, and evidently one of Zril Vrek's powers is a empathy, a morphic empathy, yeah. where she can morph into what looks like these crystalline entities and kind of can converse with them, and they're... I don't believe they're there for to hurt them or anything like that, and they don't know what is going on. And eventually they run into one of the guardians that became... Well, he ran into a very particular guardian. Yeah, but he was a... He tried to destroy the Green Lanterns. It's Krona. Krona. Mm -hmm. So that's where it ends. And it's pretty... I don't know... It seems like they're rehashing old stuff, whereas in Cyborg we get something new, in Robin we get something new. This seems like we're just rehashing old stuff. But hopefully it turns into something good. And I don't want Krona to be a lost soul that's found his way now. I want him to maybe be a little subterfuge where he's trying to get back his power so he still can destroy. I don't know. I kind of... I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, no. I kind of wonder if this is... Time travel with Krona. Because Krona looks like he did back in the ancient days when right. the Guardians were still like humanoid, mm -hmm. where they were still tall and they were very muscular. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of wonder if Krona, in his. Because uh, he, was, he was the one who wanted to use all the color spectrum instead of just using willpower. Mm -hmm. right. So I kind of wonder if somehow in his experiments he may have actually time traveled and maybe have jumped over to this parallel version of reality. And it may be. That the rings don't know where they're at because this is before the creation of the rings or the central power battery. Maybe instead of him jumping forward, he jumped them all back. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah. That'd be interesting. See that? That'd be kind of cool. Because the rings would need to converse with the central power battery, I would assume. I don't before know exactly how they work. Yeah. yeah. So. But that's the case, and they're all going to be running out of power the entire time. Yes. Unless they have the pocket universes where their lanterns are hid. Yeah, which, that, oh, that was what okay. I was wondering. Because, like, nobody tries to pull their power battery in this batch. So, I mean, that could be another and they, thing. And they didn't mention any draining, either. No. So. That's true. We didn't talk about they, the fuel. They didn't really do a whole lot. Which may ways. happen further in the book. Yeah. But we do know the crystal entities were able to attack through the shields. Mm -hmm. that they had, so. But, yeah, I, I think that Corona, it's... He's got to be a, a time travel component because this doesn't look like the Corona that we already knew, right? So, well, it doesn't look like him from the flashbacks or from when we saw him uh, during the whole uh, Blackest Night stuff. Yeah. First Army or First, First Army, yeah. yeah. 
First I, Lantern. It looks like the First Lantern. First Army was the oh the, I don't remember what the title was. Those two were next to each yeah. other, so mm-hmm. I can't remember which one it was in. Well, Kernan was uh, part of the, the Black Lantern stuff. Well, yeah, I mean that's where he first met him was during the Black Lanterns. Yeah, but, and they brought him into the New Fifty Two. Mm-hmm. Could yeah. you score that book? No, you mm-hmm. want me to? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know. It, I think it's got promise. It just doesn't like Cyborg made me want to read more. Right. Uh, this. Uh, Robin was just, I want to read it anyway. This one doesn't lead me into wanting to read more. I'll give it a two and a half. Okay. I think. The art's fantastic in it. Yeah, it looks great. So, Ms. Rob? Uh, I want to give it a three and a half. I think it's actually going to be pretty good. I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with it. It's a cool little grip of Green Lanterns that they picked. And I, I don't know. Maybe it just makes my brain crazy already. So. Right on. Uh, Mr. Mike? I'll agree with Curtis. Probably a two and a half. Didn't really... Nothing really uh, st- stood out. Um, the art's okay, but you know, as far as Green Lantern stories go, it looks like uh, it's more of the same so far. All right, uh, Mr. Dave. I'll give it a three. I, th- I thought that the coloring did stand out. It's kind of kind of jumped off. Yeah, pops. That's the perfect word for it. Right. So, what was a three? Cool. Um, you know, I, I think I'm with, I'm with Rob and Dave because like the the idea of Krona. Like, I really hate the way the movie shortchanged him and, like, tried to combine with being part of the origin of the Green Lantern, which is not what the deal is. So this seeing him here, and he's like, what doesn't appear to be the worn down, years later, I hate everything Krona. If it is time travel, a time travel is my total bag, so, like, I can't, I can't beat it there. But the way Krona looks, where he's basically wounded, or looks like he's been shot or injured somehow, I don't know, that, that whole idea is kind of interesting to me. It's like finding a I, I don't know if I'd want to see him turn into like some kind of hero, really. But it's like running into Sinestro when Sinestro's not always bad. Yeah, but that gets old. Uh, if, there, if you don't have a bad hero, you're going to have to create another bad hero. Then that good one point. becomes good and create another bad hero. But you can't trust him the entire time. Well, it doesn't matter. And eventually you know he's going to turn bad. You can't trust Batman the entire time. That's either. not true. You can always trust Batman. You can yeah. not trust Batman. As long Batman. as you're good. You can not trust as long Batman. As long as he might drop you off a building, but as long as you're on the side of good, you'll be fine. <laughs> And people love anti-heroes, it's true. I just don't understand it. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I hope that they don't try to turn him into a hero either. But we'll it's, it, it may be like a team-up that they're both stranded on this place and they need to get back, which I can understand if they're like, we'll call truce now and then once we get back, I'm going to kick your ass again. One of those kind of things is okay, but that even becomes worn after a time. Yeah, I don't know how that stays as a regular ongoing series. Exactly. I mean, I guess it could be kind of like black science where they're just lost in time. But at this point, we don't even know for sure it's time travel. Right. Like, that's just a guess. So at this point, for all we know, they're just stranded on some weird planet that he also is on. That's uncharted. Yeah. Yeah. Or that maybe the ring is getting interference from something. That's true. That we can't tell. Maybe the crystalline entities are... And who knows? We don't really know anything about the Guardians. Maybe they never really die. Mm -hmm. Maybe, Maybe all the... Guardians that we've seen go down or out there on this weird crystal planet. That'd be freaking weird. weird. Every time I say crystalline entity, I think of lore from Star Trek. <laughs> oh, man. <Sorry>. Awesome. <laughs> All right, oh, Mr. Mike, you want to tell us a story about Aquaman? Sure. This is supposed to be a, a new look and a new direction. And uh, Colin Bunn is taking over the writing duties, which is good news. Uh, Trevor McCarthy is doing the art. Guy Majors doing the colors and Tom Napolitano being doing the lettering. 
And from what I told, you can see on this preview, um, it starts off straight action. Um, uh, the Atlantean army uh, has marched uh, on this, it looks like a small town, and uh, has started to obliterate it. They're searching for Aquaman, who, uh, who does show up and uh, starts kicking some ass. And uh, he uh, seems to be pretty aggressive, more so than usual. Um, not since I haven't seen him this quite this uh, aggressive since the first start of the New 52. Um, but it's really, there's not a whole lot to tell other than it's all Aquaman fighting the Atlantean army and uh, sending a message to the, the boss, and uh, which is the last page, and it's, it's Mira who sent the army after him. They don't really give any explanation as to why. I'm sure we'll maybe learn that in the issue previous, prior to it. I don't know. Well, the but, issue uh, itself? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it doesn't really... Uh, it's a lot, of, a lot of fighting. The art is nice, i got to say. I don't much care for the new look. But I think uh, I think Colin Bond like, got a pretty good track record as far as I'm concerned. So. Well, don't we also showcase a couple of new abilities? Aquaman in the story. Yeah, yeah, I, but I know if I couldn't tell you, you know, what exactly. Well, yeah, so I don't know what you call it. He can it's, morph into a dolphin? <laughs> no. No, he's useless again. Wait, we're a dolphin? <laughs> no, we're not going to go there. No, it, it looks like he can actually command water a little bit. It looks like he forms ice. Um, What's that to, called? Hydrokinesis? Possibly. Yeah, like Mira. Like he froze ice to make uh, spikes to stab guys, and then he also seemed to be able to command lightning. And it seems to be with the, the Trident, mm -hmm. but he's got some new gear, so it's possible that he has more in, enchanted equipment. It reminded me of uh, Injustice, right. like his, his his attacks and stuff that he did in the game are very yeah, similar to his powers right. in the book. Well, the lightning surprised me, but I thought when I saw that ice, it reminded me a lot of the Dead King. Yeah. So I was kind of wondering oh, yeah. if maybe he had a piece from that. Mm -hmm. But um, he does make time in the book to show that he's protecting s humans. Yeah, some humans. Some there's some landlubbers hanging around up there, and he makes it a point to point out, you know, to, to let them know mm -hmm. he won't hurt them, but he and he will protect them. But at the same time, like he's he's not clearly like the hero or not. Even he questions whether he's a hero. Well, he just wants to be left alone for the most part. He's and he's, he's it sounds like he's been hiding out on land to be away from them, but. They figured out a way to track him down, and that's not going to work. So he's he's pretty pissed off. So, uh, but it does show in the last, you know, the very last panel that Mira uh, is behind it, and then you see Tempest, and there's a few other characters, a couple other pretty crazy fish yeah. people things, yeah, like cool looking. So it, I think I think it'll be interesting. I I like I have faith in Colin Bond. I think he'll uh, he'll make it. It'll be good. Um, I'll give it a four. All right. It's a pretty good score. Well, uh, Mr. Dave, you know, in this one, Aquaman is pissed. So, yeah, get a, get a three and a half in there. <laughs> he's pissed. He does get, he's pissed quite a bit lately. Yeah. He's an angry guy. Yeah, it's good. If you haven't been into Aquaman, jump on. Now's, now's a good time. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Um, at this point, I mean, at least from the preview, I'll give it a three. It is pretty interesting getting the end with the whole mirror thing. It makes me wonder what exactly is going on and if it's... 
The mirror we're actually used to, if it winds up being a mirror from one of these convergence realities, or what exactly is going on there. Because it's hard to say what exactly, if anything, convergence is going to have to do with any of these books. Because divergence is supposed to be following that, so at least something you expect to come out of it. So maybe that's what's going on with her. But, I don't know, the preview, I like the stormtrooper-looking dudes, the, uh, the, like, Lanian army. And the whole battle sequence. If he's throwing lightning, awesome. I mean, use Poseidon's rot, or Poseidon's trident to do things. I don't think that necessarily gives him the power, personally, but it makes me think that it's the gear, like Rob was saying. He can channel it. It's probably more like he's using the trident to channel it. Which would be just like the idea of Poseidon, so I think that's cool. Isn't that what cool. Thor does with his hammer? It is. He just channels it, he yep. doesn't control it. Exactly. So I think it's the same idea, at least from what we've seen. I mean, there's no indication that he's like, I'll call lightning from my fingers. But using the rod that way would be just like Poseidon, so I'm cool with that. Well, they're definitely out to... Uh, Palpatine. They're, out, <laughs> they're definitely, uh, that's definitely out some squashing in it. Throwing ground troops at him, ships, you name it, everything yeah, right. he got. So. Okay, yeah. And he's, he, he's tearing shit up. Oh, yeah. There's definitely a lot of fight sequences in it, for sure. Um, Mr. Ross? Well, I have a whole lot of opinions on this. I, I do really like... The place. I really like the action. And I like the way the Atlanteans look. They remind me of the uh, Throne of Atlantis movie we just saw right. a lot. And I like that at the end you see all these crazy fish monsters with Mira and Aqualad. I don't know if he's actually going to be called Aqualad in this. but And I like that he shows up again. What I don't like is Aquaman's new costume. Right. And I'm really hoping that this is some sort of alternate universe thing, because it makes absolutely no sense at all for Mira to be in on the Atlantean throne. Well, after Convergence, that may be it. Yeah, and from what I've read from Colin Bunn is that this is his Aquaman that he wants to tell, and that's and I like that. I'm okay with that if that's the case, and it's it just doesn't make any sense going from this from what it was right before this. Well, he's done great with Sinestro, mm. from what I read, I've read. Oh, yeah. Then, uh, then, like, well, there's a lot of stuff he's written that's been really good, so. Yeah, and I trust him. I think he'll do pretty good. I think overall, for the preview, I would give it a three. Aquaman's my favorite. And yep. I'm I'm excited about it, but some of the... If they're trying to make it a continuation of the old Aquaman, that kind of worries me a little bit. I don't know how they would get from where they are right now to there. Exactly. For a short amount of time. Yeah, exactly. When you say old Aquaman, what do you mean? I just mean previous to this Aquaman. Right, from where they are right now, before going into Convergence. Oh, okay. Mm. So the Jeff Parker run? Right. Yeah, and Jeff Johns, and Blackest Night, and Brightest Day, all kind of blends together. And you said Colin Bunn was writing this, uh, an Aquaman that he wanted? Yeah, that's what I've that's what I've heard on the internet. What about... Did he talk to Peter David about that and how people hated that run? No. I don't think people hated that run, though. The hookhand one? I think people liked it. You think? Yeah. I like it because he looked like a pirate. I, I liked it, too, but I just like Aquaman. Doesn't he have a beard in this one? No. No, he just got crazy sideburns like he did in uh, oh, Justice yeah, League. Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay. I think, I think even the hookhand one, it just took the filter of time. Right. Because, yeah, people hated it when it started. And then I think by the time they switched it back, people were like, what hookhand? That wasn't bad. Yeah. What about his aqua hand? What happened with that one? Yeah, I didn't like the aqua hand. No, stuff. me either. Was, was that after the hookhand? Yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah. Was after. That was like his transition back into orange suit okay. Aquaman. Mm-hmm. The only cool thing about the water hand was that it was magic. 
And so he had, like, his... If people asked if he could beat Superman or not, right. he had his, his kind of hand. secret weapon that was... Yeah. I got a magic hand! I think that's something uh, Miss Courage, you gotta this book? Ooh, Barracuda. Dun, 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 dun. I'll that's, give it a... <laughs> that's a song. Uh, he's a magic man um, with a magic hand. He mixed two songs together. <sighs> Quiet. Uh, I'd say three and a half. I'm not the biggest fan of Aquaman, and I rhyme all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I'll give it a three and a half. I'm... Uh, like like Mike said, Colin Bunn has got a good track record. I mean, he's written some stinkers, and he knows it, and we all know it. But um, just like Charles Soule, this guy can write. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking, I don't know, I'm looking forward to it. He wrote Wolf Moon, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's written a lot of... But anyway, yeah, go three and a half. <laughs> all right. Bazinga. Mr. Rob, don't you ever say that again. <clears throat> as long as you never say titters. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Rob, score book, go. Uh, I'd probably give it a three. I, I think it's going to be a pretty good one. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they go with this. Um, if it is just a continuation, it's going to be interesting to see how they explain it. But if it's a parallel world, eh, it could be pretty cool. Yeah. Everything's a parallel world these days. You know, there, awesome. there's a lot of that going on. Um, all right, well, let's go and move into Flash 41. Ah. Uh, hey. <laughs> Someone's playing along. Fastest man in the universe. Ooh. Hey. Um, so Flash 41 is uh, being written by Van Jensen, and it's got Brett Booth doing the artwork for it. I didn't catch the, the inker, unfortunately. Artwork could be a little tighter, actually. I don't know. I don't know if they're keeping Brett too busy on other things, but this is a really great book if you haven't been reading Flash. You can get in at 41. It actually gives you a really good take on this backstory, and it'll catch you up pretty quickly. And he's wearing a Blue Lantern t-shirt at the beginning of it, just, you know. Which is pretty cool, actually. Kind of a fun little extra thing. The whole story is being kind of narrated by somebody off-screen, and uh, once we get to the end of the issue, the, the big reveal is that it winds up being Professor Zoom, and not only is Professor Zoom, you know, kind of doing this, he's actually teaching a class of, like, five or six new possible Speed Force villains. And their motivation is not to make Flash a better hero, but to actually kill him in this case. So it's kind of an interesting take of both the different Zooms. Um, we get to take a look at the new costume for Flash, which has got a lot more gold kind of wrapped up into the red. And it looks like... I think it's Patty is out. Because they make a big deal of mention that he's single. Oh, yeah, and the girlfriend broke up. I don't yeah. remember yeah, his girlfriend's Patty. name. I, have a, I think Patty was right, I think. Yeah. I have a little bit in the middle that I haven't gotten to finish. Now, is this guy so. Zoom or Reverse Flash? or He's calling himself Professor Zoom. So we already have Reverse Flash, which is actually Derek West, which is Wally's, like, step. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I guess it's Iris's brother mm. is actually the Reverse Flash, and he seems to need to drain Speed Force to kind of keep himself going. But we haven't seen Zoom yet, and rather than going with like the old old universe tween, who just was like, "I'm going to do the opposite of the Flash, so I'm going to be Reverse Flash," mm. um, it looks like we kind of just pick up the second Zoom. Mm. 
but uh, he doesn't have the history with, with Flash, at least not yet. Of course, they also have this whole scientist that was working with him for a while towards the beginning of the series that was trying to harvest, like, Speed Force mm. energy. Maybe that's... Maybe he's the identity of Zoom, or Professor Zoom. Of course, you know, who knows? You know, I'm just speculating right now, so... But yeah, he's got like a whole new group of, of villains that I don't believe have appeared in the 52 yet. That he's teaching to kill Flash, so... Could be awesome. Uh, he's I, definitely an interesting reveal at the end. Like you said, they do a pretty good... At least in the first eight-page eight, eight preview, they do a pretty good review of who he is, what he is, where he's at, how he's... His whole setup and like the father, the father and the mother and the death and everything, they do a pretty good review of that in there. And uh, so, if you were starting, I would say forty one is a good place to do. Yeah. Robbie, you got a score for that book? Yeah, I do uh, three and a half. I think it's going to be really good. So. Right on, right on, Mr. Mike. I'll give it a three just because I like the Flash as a character. Other than that, I really can't say a whole lot. Yeah, I, I like Brad Booth a lot. So. Right, Brett's a, he's a good artist though. And a, Van has a very good idea Where he wants to go So I think it'll be fun Cool uh, Mr. Dave I'm going to give it a 4 Because I'm on a high After the series ended for this season And like I say This is a good point to jump on If you're like Man what am I going to do this summer With the void With the flash Before the next season It's, good, it's a good time to jump on yeah. You have a good point there Because yeah. Flash has wrapped up season 1 So it'd be a good place to be at Comic wise Fill that void kids Right um, yeah, I'll give it a three also. Like, uh, art-wise, like, I like Brett Booth, um, for, even from back in, in the old image days. I, I dig him. Um, and he's a Needle Blake books. Awesome. So, that I'm pretty happy about. Like you said, the beginning of it, there's not a whole lot given to you in the first speedster he deals with in there. Don't know who he is. He's just an, another random villain speedster. But then you come to Zoom at the end, and it's like, oh, this is gonna get real for a minute. Because Zoom is, he's like the bad guy for The Flash. That and Grodd, but... Zoom is just, he's just so evil. Captain Gold. He's another one, but not like the same thing. Level-wise, and he's a good guy now, he's just like, take take that, Flash. Yeah, when they first mentioned a guy out there on roller skates, rocket roller skates, I was like, oh, it's going to be the trickster for sure. No, yeah, <laughs> I don't. new guy. Yeah, new guy. At least I think he's a new, I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Mr. Ross? Flash is also pretty high up there on my favorite heroes. And I like that he's wearing a Blue Lantern t-shirt. I thought that was pretty awesome. Uh, Brett Booth is pretty good. I'd probably give it a three. Right on. Mr. Curtis? <clears throat> I think Vans had a fairly stable track record. Um, it's hard to write a lot of the characters um, in DC. It's very hard to write them. And I, sure. think, I think he's handled it fairly well. Um, I'll give it a three. Right. Like like Dave said, off the hills of the Flash series, right? It's a good jump on point. You can hit the ground running. Hey, <laughs> there we go. I was looking for the rim oh, shot. Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's going to be a, a pretty good series. And like Rob said, Van Jensen has an idea and where it's going to go. It just didn't showcase in this eight page preview. Yeah, I think the eight pages more to reveal that the villain that we're going to be dealing with, at least at the beginning, is going to be Zoom. Right. Which, so, when I associate Flash with a villain, I associate him with Captain Cold. Right. That's my ultimate villain for the Flash. But at street level, we're dealing with higher priorities now. So we'll go, yeah, I'll give it a three. To be fair, he had a tough act to follow. Right. So I agree. Give the guy, give the guy a break. Give him a chance. Right on. 
Well, either way, all these all these books look very good preview wise. Rob, what would you got? Uh, this was cool. Uh, after we did the talk of Van Jensen, I think it was the next day he was walking the floor out there in Denver, and he recognized me and waved and everything. So it was actually pretty cool. You know? Right on. It's a lot of times you know you see these guys over and over and like yeah, they do so many interviews they don't remember you. So I thought that was right, cool. Right. That he, he still well, recognized that's him. That's cool. Yeah, I think Denver this year, like everyone we talked to over at DC was really pretty cool. Yeah, they were. Michael, their liaison, he's a good guy. Yeah, okay. it was good. So that, that was all. They handled us very well over there. So that was fun. Anyway, well, it's, uh, we'll go ahead and run the, uh, the interview with uh, Mr. Van and then uh, come back and do some books to watch. I'm Ralph from Top 5 Comics Podcast, and I'm speaking with... Van Jensen, co-writer of The Flash. So, coming out of Convergence, what's going to be new for The Flash? The, the big thing coming out of Convergence, uh, of course, you know, issue 40 uh, that came out in, uh, I guess, March, um, you know, that was, or April, yeah, April, get my month straight. Um, Huge, huge revelations in there. Professor Zoom is coming to town, which is a pretty, pretty major thing. And then, in the midst of that, Barry is is kind of refiguring his life after uh, Patty is is no longer in his life. Um, so you know, some big personal changes, um, some big changes as as the Flash. Uh, and I mean, the biggest thing though, you know, Professor Zoom is coming and. He's gunning for Barry, and it's uh, it's going to be a blowout. So, was there was there a lot of decision on whether to bring Professor Zoom back or to recreate Zoom? Well, so Professor Zoom has not shown up in the the new DC universe. So this is his first appearance in this universe. So this is you know effectively a new Professor Zoom that we're seeing, and so. Um, you know his background. It will be recognizable in some ways, but new in some ways. Uh, Flash Annual Number Four, which comes out in July, is is sort of a secret history of, of Professor Zoom issue, which is going to be a really key issue. Um, also, have some big revelations about the nature of Flash's power in that issue. Um, but it's it's a it's a big big story. Something that's you know, something that started from Flash number one and has been building to this point. Okay. Just, just on a personal note, I always like Impulse. Any chance of Kid Flash coming back and being like like he was before? Uh, never say never, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so as we continue with this, are we going to be continuing to see the Reverse Flash along with Zoom? Uh, reverse Flash... Um, Daniel West, that that character, he is in Suicide Squad uh, for the time being. So that's going to be where where he'll be showing up. So um, fans of, of Reverse Flash can get their fix there. But at the moment, we're not um, expecting to have him show up in the Flash proper. Okay. But again, never say never. Um, that's always, it's been big on me because like uh, I, I always grew up with Wally West. And Barry Allen is definitely, I'm sorry, Barry Allen is definitely <laughs> the guy now. Yeah. Um, do, do you ever, like, take into account how, how you write him, or have you, did you ever get to write 
Wally West, I guess I should ask first. Well, so Wally um, has shown up in the series, but obviously it's a very different uh, Wally West, a uh, younger Wally West. Um, and so, you know, we, we certainly we looked at the, the previous universe Wally West and the previous universe Barry Allen for, for inspiration, but at the same time, you know, it is a, a new universe. A new, these are all new characters. I mean, it's a yeah. new Barry Allen as much as it is a new Wally West. Um, so everyone, you kind of have to figure out, you know, in their their own way. And um, Barry Allen, of course, we we had, you know, we came on with issue thirty, so we had twenty nine issues plus the the zero issue of you know his background and who he is and kind of figuring him out. Um, but you know, also characters grow and change over the course of the series. So the more that you write a book, the more that you figure out who a character is and and what his voice is, and exactly how to write him, I think, or her. Um, was there ever a point where you really, like as you were growing up, you really started going, this is what I want to do, I want to make, make comics? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, um, I had a cousin who, I, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. Um, I mean, it's a great town, it's Llewellyn, but it's like 200 people, right? So I could get barely any comics there. And I had a cousin who lived in a city and would come with, you know, like a, a suitcase full of comics every time he visited. And so for the, the time that I was like four years old, he was bringing comics and I was reading them. I mean, I pretty much learned to read on comics. And I, I loved them and I really wanted to make them, but I, I didn't, you know, a comic book creator in my mind was like a unicorn, right? It's like this magical thing that didn't really exist and comics just somehow came into, into being... Um, and so it, it never seemed real. So while I wanted to do it, I didn't actively pursue it, um, okay. just because it, I, I had no idea that you could make a living at it. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't until you know after college, I was working as a journalist, that I had an artist friend who just said, "Hey, we should make a book together." And I said, "All right, let's do it." And you know, it was like six years ago now, and. Uh, this is what I'm doing with my life, so it's pretty crazy. Nice. Do you have uh, any particular writer, or author, or artist that, that inspires you? Um, I mean, I, I remember growing up, um, like, I, I wanted to be an artist, actually. Like, my mom's a painter, I've got a lot of artists in my family, so I really wanted to draw, and I was drawing every day, so I would get comics, and then I would redraw them, like, cover to cover, and. I mean, I remember redrawing a, uh, an issue of Green Lantern Mosaic that uh, Coley Hamner drew, a lot of Jim Lee stuff. Um, I'm trying to think who else would have been in there. Like all the Larry Hama era, G.I. Joe, those were really big influences. Um, Batman, of course, uh, Neil Adams, Batman. Um, but yeah, all, all of that stuff, I mean, I just, anything I could get my hands on, I, I would read it over and over and over, and I, I don't have any of my comics because they all just, you know, disintegrated. <laughs> all right. If you're on a desert island and you can only bring five items, what would they be? And they can be people, they can be equipment and stuff, so... <laughs> um, well, obviously, uh, my wife and our son. Actually, I, that's, a, that's a tough one because it's like... Would they want? Because she wouldn't want to be stuck on an island with me, so maybe, maybe I shouldn't answer that. But then also, if I don't say her, maybe she's offended. I don't know. I'm overthinking this now. 
Um, I say a basketball hoop and a basketball and uh, probably some fishing gear. See that? You lived in a fantasy land. Would you ride a chocolate pony? Would I ride a what? A chocolate pony. Uh, I, I think I would not. Uh, I was going to give my reasoning, but it just it seems like it might come across the wrong way. Uh, I'll, I'll just say I would probably pass. Probably pass on the chocolate pony? Yes, I probably would. I, I can understand that. I can understand that. Again, I want to thank Michael and Van and everybody else over at the D.C. for coming out to Denver and doing some, some awesome interview stuff with, with, with us in the media world. Um, so let's see, before we wrap up the show, let's do a, a little bit of uh, books to watch. Or how about let's do a little movie minute with Movie Dave, considering he's here, and tell us a story about Fury Road. Well, let me tell you, the Mad Max Fury Road came out on May 15th, and it's just awesome. If you haven't seen it yet, get out there. What are you waiting for? All right, it's it's George Miller wrote this fantastic backstory for this movie. It gives the characters so much flesh and just so much substance. Movie, you gotta watch it two, three times just to catch everything that's going on. It takes Road Warrior and just puts steroids on it and just jacks it up to a whole new level. The characters phenomenal. Shirley's Throne, Tom Hardy, great. It's, yeah, and there's a tie-in comic book, Mad Max Fury Road. That kind of gives a backstory to the characters Nux and Immortan Joe. That if you like the movie, you'll be interested in to see their backstory. Right, and we're going to have a two part come out pretty soon. It's uh, Connected Fury Road, also. Uh, so we got a couple more books coming out that are Mad Max related over the next like two months. And seriously, I watched it. Yeah, I think it's better than Avengers. I, I'd agree. I agree it, too. It, it'll wow you. Wow. That's pretty high praise. And the the sad part is, it's only made, it, it just passed the hundred million dollar mark, and it should be twice that. I oh, think. Yeah, it, it, it's, it it's rated R. The rate R rating uh, keeps the uh, keeps the budget or the not the budget keeps the kids out. Kids out. There's, so the profits go down. There's no reason for it to be R though. Yeah, there's there's not really language. It's it's just there's some weird stuff. There's right. no gore. There's no gore. Not really. really. It's it's very it's just because there's some weird stuff I don't want to spoil it that you, at the beginning because it kind of sets up this post-apocalyptic world where weird stuff happens without Giving actually anything, explaining right. it. And, and I'll right. say I'll say from what I remember of Mad Max, uh, Max what's his last name? Kazansky. Rockatansky. Rockatansky. Holy cow! Yeah, he's way he seems way different in this one at the beginning. He's actually crazy in this one. Right. In the, in the original Mel Gibson ones, he's just mad. Uh-huh. Yeah, cause his, because cause of his, his wife and, and parent got, or wife and parents. Wife and, his wife and yeah. child got <laughs> killed. And this one, George Miller kind of w- wanted to avoid the origin story because we've seen it in Mad Max. So it's kind of like a parallel universe to Road Warrior. It kind of uses the origin from Mad Max and jumps off from there. But in this one, he's he's really crazy, and it's a different kind of movie yeah. than all the than the first three. It's a to me, it's a way different movie. Yeah. It was, oh yeah. And, yeah. And and Mike yeah. has love for the Road Warrior. Oh yeah. And he wanted to avoid this. 
at first? Because I didn't want to. I had high expectations. Right. I mean, well, I didn't have any expectation because there's no way it could. Because Road Warrior is one of your favorites, right? Oh, yeah. Same same here. Road Warrior, one of my favorites, and you think. I seen that. When that thing came out, I saw it like 20 times. (laughs) Right. Um, But this movie, yeah. (laughs) It's it's, it's, it's badass. Right. And George Miller, I mean, he's 70 now. Yeah. And he did Happy Feet. You know what I mean? Oh man! Okay. So this is a that was a big divergence from what he wanted, but evidently he wanted to do this movie back in the mid nineties. Yeah, two thousand three. They're actually thinking of going ahead with Mel Gibson on it, but things got sidetracked and put off. And right, because he actually started it in two thousand three, but he had the idea in the mid nineties. Right. Two thousand three shows up, and he wants to go with Mel Gibson, but then Mel Gibson went crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> they kind of put it on the back Mad burner. Mel. And uh, he eventually got Tom Hardy, which is fantastic. Cause yeah, that that was kind of one of the things. I don't know, man. Uh, Dude, I'm but, telling you. And I thought it was going to be, I thought they were just going to overdo it. Mm-hmm. But it's not. And and the thing is. The, the action's crazy. Right. But it's not. Yeah. It, it's every, not everything fits. It, everything. And it's not so much focused on Mad Max, really. No, it's not. I mean, it's 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 more focused on it's more Furiosa story, right. story Mad with Max. Mad Max because playing a supporting, supporting role. He's got very little lines in it, right? But oh. the lines he does have, well, yeah, they, they hit home. Yeah. yeah. Tom Hardy said he wanted to come up with the voice first, and then that would kind of set his character, and he did. Right. So I think the next one, because he signed on for four. I heard they've signed on for, yeah, for three more. Okay. So Wow, that's... If a, that takes place, yeah. we'll see. But obviously George Miller's got a vision for this character to go. And I wonder continue. if this is this is going to spin off for a Furiosa movie. Because that character's very strong, too. Yeah, strong she's, she's, yeah she's a cool character. So, no, it's Charlize Theron. Fantastic. Yeah, movie. she did. But she was great in that. Probably the best one of this year that I've seen. Oh, yeah. I, by I agree. So. Sorry at the top list so far. And I, I try to equate it to Guardians of the Galaxy. I just can't. No, Man. that's different. I just can't do it. They're, they're two very divergent movies, and they're great. Um, post-apocalyptic stuff is what I like. Right. And I just watched uh, The Road Warrior, which I thought I'd seen years ago. And I didn't remember any of it at all. And I watched it again. I'm like, man, this is, this is an awesome movie. Plus, he has a dog. <laughs> So, <laughs> man, which is awesome. And one of the great things about Fury Road is it uh, it creates this world, this post-apocalyptic world that pulls you in. Mm-hmm. It's it's so full and rich. That, and George Miller wanted to keep most of the effects practical. So other than you use CGI for the the world effects, but all the action and the stunts. For the most part, are practical, and, and, awesome. it, and it shows. And it doesn't it doesn't really follow the line of Mad Max prior, right. like you said, because they're a big thing. And like the Road Warrior was gasoline and water, and this one kind of is a different idea. Different. So. Yeah. Well, you know, if, cool. I can see where if somebody watched the trailer, one of the trailers, and think, "Oh, that looks stupid." Mm-hmm. No, it, 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 I can see where somebody might think that. But you're missing out because mm-hmm. it's not. There's nothing. The way it's all put together, it's just it's perfect. And don't wait till it comes out on video. No, you got to see it on. It's a big screen action flick. 3D. I don't know. I saw the 3D first, and it was great. Like I say, it it, it creates this world, immersive, kind of like uh, Avatar did, where it, it pulls you into this world. 
And then I watched it again for the 2D just because there's so much going on. I wanted to focus on the story. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and you pick up so much from the second time. There's so much going on. Hmm. That's cool. Oh, that's good. <laughs> well, the comment, <laughs> the comment made that it was better than the Avengers movie. That's not just thrown out. I mean, that's it's very true. Right. <laughs> to, right. At least as far as... And I love the Avengers. Yes. Mm, that movie was here. fantastic. Yeah, it was good. And uh, Mad Mash is kind of... It, it didn't blow it out of the water, but it's close. It stepped it up. Man. But, uh, I don't know. It was just that If good I had movie. to choose between the two... Yeah, Mad Max. The one you just want to go see again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now. I mean, and, and both movies start out with action, right? You know what I mean. So I don't know. Cool. Well, if you haven't got a chance to see it, you should really get on it, people. Come on now. Yeah, we'll, it's out there. We, we'll stop talking about it. <laughs> um. Uh, so let's do some books to watch. Uh, uh Ross. Well, Robin, Son of Batman, obviously, and Cyborg. Both of those are going to be awesome. Um, I've really been liking the Star Wars stuff. So Darth Vader, in particularly, has been really, really, really good. So I'm keeping my eye on those ones. Cool. Mr. Uh, Curtis? God damn it. Um, I wasn't initially picking up the Star Wars stuff. Right. And eventually, Ross talked me into the Darth Vader one. I'm not a big fan of Darth Vader, but the characters that are introduced in that book, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy that Darth Vader one. Right. I'll watch that. Uh, DC, of course, we got um, Cyborg. Right. So let's watch Cyborg. Uh, David Walker's, I don't know, pick up Shaft if you haven't, because that, that's a crazy book, too. Um, I do like I do like Shaft. That's right. I know you do. I was going to say the, and then I decided not to. <laughs> I physically thought, don't say the. Right? No, no. but it, it's fantastic. And pick up the um, Fury Road tie-ins because... Definitely. Yeah, the, the cover to the, the last one, is that a one-shot? It's a one-shot, yeah. That's awesome. Tommy Lee Edwards <laughs> did it, the guy who did Vandroid, right. or wrote Vandroid. Man, pick those up. The world of Mad Max is just crazy, and I love it. And get with your store early because as a movie tie-in, they're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Especially for Vertigo. And I don't mean like they're going to be gone off the shelf. I mean they're going to be gone like they're not printing them any longer. It's true. Uh, Mr. Robbie, a books to watch? Yeah, actually, um, Gotham by Midnight, number six. It's going to be right after um, they make the big change. They're going to change both artist and writer on the series. It looks fantastic. So if... Um, you weren't picking up before because you didn't really care for the kind of Temple Smith artwork or, or you, you were afraid of the story or whatever, it actually looks fantastic. And if you were picking it up during Temple Smith's time, it's not going to go down at all. It's actually going to just get better. Um, the other thing is Secret Wars is going to be pretty big, and I think it's going to actually have a really big impact. It's very worth checking out. Um, a lot of the side stories look like they're going to be great, too, so uh, I'm definitely looking forward to Inferno and then the X-Men 90s. The, the 92. X-Men 92. Yeah. yeah. Looks pretty awesome. How, can I ask a question? Yes. Yeah. How does Convergence compare to Secret War? Um, I think Secret War is what they said Convergence was going to be. Is it a stronger story, then? So far, I believe so. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. um, I agree with that. Because I've heard a lot of panning of the Convergence title and people just not getting it or liking it. 
but there's been a lot more praise for the Secret War stuff. Well, uh, Secret War also, um, they they kind of got to like throw everything out with it. And so they're a lot more open to do just whatever they want because they don't really have to follow up their next thing with any of the decisions they made here. Mm-hmm. So, but because of that, you make this world that's incredibly immersive, actually. Whereas, you know, with, with Convergence, I think they were like, they were really toting the idea that, oh, everybody's going to be you know, battling to the death. And you kind of got into it, and it was like, yeah, they're battling, but they're, I don't know, they're still pretty uh, pretty civil about their battling, so. I'd say of, of the two so far, Secret Wars is stronger. Uh, Mr. Mike? Well, obviously, Robin's on a Batman. Cyborg title sounds pretty cool. Uh, the uh, Aquaman should be pretty interesting. Um, other than that, I Black can, Science. Oh, yeah, Black Science, of course. Deadly Class. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh-huh. That, that, good to go. Well, it goes without saying. Saga. Yeah. Saga. All right, uh, Mr. Dave. Oh, well, talk about Secret Wars. Look, there's this comic that looks interesting to read. Uh, looks like it's based in the battle world from Marvel called Where Monsters Dwell, number one. And it looks right. like the Phantom Eagle flies into this world that looks like the world that time forgot in, in his nice World War One plane. That's uh, pretty much going on, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, and that's Garthinus, right? Yeah, yeah. Garthinus, I wanted to. to to a point out, and that's kind of his. I think that's where he's good, is that kind of story. But that's just me. Yeah, this one looks good because he's done a lot of war books. Yeah, right. so I think Lots he's good with that. Cool. Um, let's see it book wise. Uh, I give you We Stand on Guard, which should be out in two months. Uh, coming out from Image Comics. It's supposed to be about an alternate version of the world where uh, Canada and America are very, very much against each other. I guess. At least from the setup, what I get from it looks awesome. Aren't there mech robots in there? Uh, I want to say yes. There's a couple wolves too. They're kind of like dogs. They're hanging out with the people. Should make you happy. No, no, all right. Uh, Invisible Republic. Uh, gosh, there was another one that I was just thinking of. I can't remember. Chrononauts. If you haven't got a chance to check that one out, the trade will be out in June. Uh, you can still get a hold of the issue one through four. I think that issue one and second prints are still around. Uh, but it's, I like it a lot. It's time travel crazy, so makes me happy. Um, Bill and Ted? Bill, I do, do like Bill and Ted also. <laughs> I, and I know, yeah. To me, that's what Chrononauts is, if they grew up. It kind of, it kind of is, actually. That's exactly what it that's, is. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and they actually have to look for it, too. Man, that's mm-hmm. weird. Told you. No, no, that's basically everything I care about boils down to Bill and Ted's excellent. <laughs> I just take take that, Steve. Oh, uh, well. Um, anything else, lads? Uh-uh. No. Nope. No. Tapped out. Oh, um, uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention this last yesterday actually was yesterday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, no Thursday. Yesterday they dropped the uh, Kung Fury video mm-hmm. out on uh, the old YouTube. So, uh, now, honestly, I don't know how search-wise how to find it, because I know there was a code that just, or the web address they sent out, so I assume if you search for Kung Fury movie, you can find it. Um, fan-frickin-tastic. 
How long is it? Uh, about 34 minutes. So it's like an episode. Well, like a half hour epic is what I would call it. Fantastic. It, it is pretty epic, though. I have to say. Good stuff. It's furious. Kung Fury. Nazis, dinosaurs. All of the above. <laughs> and karate. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a triceratops caught for Christ's sake. He's got a triceratops head. How do you beat that, Ross? Where do you, where do you find Wolf that? Cup. Oh, man, it's not the same thing. Not the same thing. All right. I, I haven't watched Wolf Cop yet, so I don't know. That's a good point. It, it makes a lot better sense than I thought it was going to from the commercials. So. What are you trying to say, Rob? I'm going to say that it, it looked like, oh my god, this is a bunch of crazy stuff all just jammed together. <laughs> We're not even going to have time for a story with all this crazy. And actually, it played out really well, so... <laughs> <laughs> and somehow all of the stuff made sense. Yeah. Well, all right. S sort of. <laughs> well, as much sense as you can in half an hour, God. What do you want from him, Rob? <laughs> Candy canes. That's true. All right. Unicorn. Unicorn, rainbow. rainbow. Batmite. Yeah, Bam Batmite. By Mr. Dan Jurgens. Which I think next next episode, next week, or a week from now, something like that. We'll probably have Dan Jurgens' interview as well, so look forward to that if you're mm -hmm. still listening to us jabber about nothing. Yeah. could have mentioned that at the beginning. No. no. <laughs> All the good stuff at the end that we have to wait till the end. Yeah. No? Uh, Don't shake your head, Ross. It's kind of like Thanos. Wait till I, the end. I have to do it myself? Yeah, no, no, people just keep leaving before the credits. Like, screw all the people who worked on this film. I don't care. There's a little gotcha at the end if you just wait. Yeah. It was more towards the middle, but whatever. Just talking about Age of Ultron. In this case. Yeah. Well, in this case, it's in the middle. But the other what ones, it's if, What the if Thanos is actually at the end of all the movies and we just miss it every time? Well, I don't think we leave usually. Oh, that's a good point. Ross yeah. is like, I do. I'm outside waiting for you guys. I wonder where the hell everybody is. Clean enough theaters. You, you haven't missed it. Yeah, Thanos was at the end of Fury Road. Yeah. Nice. It could have been. It could have been. He wasn't, but, you know. They were looking for the time jam. Yeah. Pop Thanos was like, the desert sucks. <laughs> Man. Shakes his hands around. No. Max is crazy. He's dressed up like Mad Max. <laughs> Jeez. Be awesome. Fantastic. Now I'm gonna do it myself. Sands all pouring out of the ground. You shouldn't play in the dirt like that. Okay, uh, well, Taki? Taki! Taki! <laughs> <laughs>